Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bright, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and today I will be recommending an award-winning movie from 2003. Who can even remember back that far? I barely. barely what do. What happened then? You were a toddler. As a toddler. <laughs> You're a toddler. Oh, right. And I'm Tara Scott. I review queer women's fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and this week I will be recommending a video game. Nice. So, Chris, what has been going on in your life? Well, I finally finished my book, Catch. Finished it. Woo. I turned it in. It was only two weeks late, so that's good. <laughs> are you telling people what it's about yet, or are we going to let them uh, linger and wonder? It has to do with football. American football. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a pretty important distinction. Yes. Like, we, American- like we mentioned last time, we actually have <laughs> well, a pretty international podcast listenership, which right. is kind of cool. We actually just looked at it together. We did. And there were countries I did not expect in our top 10 and countries where they would probably call it football right and so uh, american football for sure pigskin mm-hmm. oval shape laces laces out mm-hmm. we all remember that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so i finally got uh, it's kind of a past present type uh story so i finally turned that in and so now i'm only two weeks late starting the new book so <laughs> yay yay me Woohoo! also for my patreon account uh what i did was I had all the patrons who wanted to participate send a picture of their pet or pets, and then I made a collage, and I posted it. And it's just so, I love it so much. It's so cute. We have such amazing animals in our lives, and it was just so cool to see it, see all of our pets mm-hmm. on one collage. So it's great. Yeah. Yes. So if you want to see this collage, how would people do that? They have to be patrons, right? They yeah. do. They do. <laughs> And it's so cool because we have, like, uh, some of our patrons have, like, horses and goats. And, you know, we have dogs and cats. And there are, I'm trying to think, what other animals? We have a lot of different, some farm animals, some cows Mm -hmm. that are actual pets. So it's kind of cool. A lot of fun. So for people that are new listeners, what happens with... uh... I'm teeing this up very, very badly, but I think <laughs> it's pretty cool what you do with the Patreon money because you don't go and like pay bills or buy fancy shit with it. You do something actually pretty cool. Yes. So all the pledges from my Patreon account, a patron of the month picks a shelter around the country and we've actually gone overseas as well. We pick a shelter and then usually I'll send, we'll go through the whatever, if it's an animal shelter or like a rescue place we'll see what they need on their wish list on amazon and then i'll use the pledges and buy their wish list and then the patron goes i have it shipped to the patron and the patron can take it to the shelter or the wherever it is and so everybody gets involved and then they take pictures and then we post it so everybody gets to see where their money goes and you know it's it's a lot of fun i really enjoy it so if you're not a patron yet you should do it because you know animals get helped and you can see a cute collage, and she does and, pretty cool interviews and sometimes events. Right. And so, like, like tomorrow, which is last week. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus uh, Christ. I know. <laughs> so, it's Monday night, but so tomorrow I'm interviewing folk, like, fantastic musician Lucy Kaplansky for my Patreon so cool. page. And I'm so excited about that. Will I sleep tonight? I don't know. 
but I'm pretty excited. So I get to do fun things and I get to have really cool interviews with people with interesting jobs or interests. And it's just a good time. I have fun. Mm -hmm. We have fun over there. Come join us. That's what I said. Yeah, I know. And so here's something else. Here's something that's very exciting. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. My mother, who has stage four, almost stage five kidney disease, finally got her cannabis license, the medicinal marijuana license. Yes. Good. Yes. So she finally got that. And I'd forgotten that they had a telehealth call today uh, with the doctor. And my dad called and I was on the phone with one of our account reps and I couldn't take the call and I wasn't thinking anyway. My dad never calls me unless it's an emergency. You know, that is my dad. He calls when mm-hmm. something bad happens. So I'm talking to Renee and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna have to let you go because I don't know what's going on. So I looked at the, you know, how your iPhone gives you like a transcript of what's been said or a voicemail. Yeah. And so my dad was saying, well, my, your mom got the card. And so I called him back and I started singing, Mary Jane. So <laughs> my dad's like, you know, <laughs> you know, because my dad was like, he was in the military and he had did a lot of things with drugs, you know, mm-hmm. against drugs and stuff. So he goes, it's really weird for me, you know, to, to witness this and see how, how this will affect and how it will help, you know. Oh, yeah. Mom. It's huge. Yeah. It's so helpful. My mom, well, I mean, we're in Canada, so you don't actually need special licenses for it or anything like that. But my mom has had chronic pain. Gosh, I don't know. I don't really remember a time in my life where she hasn't had some kind of pain. And it has been so helpful for her. And I mean, I I like to use cannabis both recreationally and for pain management, too. Like, there are times with my migraines, sometimes it's just the CBD, but there's days where it's like I've taken Advil and Tylenol and CBD and I've taken a triptan and there's nothing left. So I'll just grab an edible with the THC and it will just like knock me the fuck out (laughs) and it's like am I still in pain probably am I noticing or do I care not really (laughs) that's when I'll just be like okay dark room something gentle on Netflix I'm just gonna lay here but like it's so yeah it's so helpful and it's great to see the use like see access to it expand right and I hope it continues to expand further. Right. And I, I really do hope it helps US. my mom, you know, because she's had, she, uh, apparently one of the side effects of having this mm-hmm. is extreme itching. The munchies? No. no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not that. Maybe. <laughs> but um, I guess when you have kidney failure, you itch and it's mm. not like topical itch. It's like internal itch and you can't scratch it. So it's really, really bad. Oh. And so it's like 20 to 90% of uh, people with failed kidneys experience this and it goes from either mild or life altering and my mother's in the life altering stage of that oh, no. so when she started like she itched that's why she was in the emergency room last weekend mm-hmm. because she literally was trying to peel her skin off her body to get to underneath all that to get to the itch mm-hmm. so hopefully that this will help her yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping it will so i'm pretty excited about it so i told them I'm no expert, but I'm going to take you to the store because I don't trust them to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the like. I really hope we get to a place where it ends up fully decriminalized, and then also like 
I don't know. Can we maybe uh, release all the people, especially like disproportionately black men who are incarcerated because they had like small amounts of weed? Can we just? It needs to be erased. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So in short, cannabis for everybody. Right. If that's what I have said that for. I have said that forever. It would get us out of national debt in three days. (laughs) We would be out of debt if you tax the shit out of it. Then we would be at because everybody would buy it. And Frito Lay would make so much money. (laughs) Right. I'm surprised they're not lobbying harder. You would think. I guess apparently they have enough money, but I know that I would certainly uh, I push for it Mm -hmm. for sure. I would. Mm -hmm. So that is my life. What's going on in your life? So we appear to have a little reader on our hands, which is pretty cool. So I have a 10-year-old and I have a 7-year-old. And the 10-year-old, she's not really a fan of reading. She's a big, 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 big fan of gaming. That's her jam all day, every day. And that's cool. But our 7-year-old, she actually taught herself to read last year, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it is amazing. And it's funny because I also taught myself how to read before I went to kindergarten. That's what my parents told me. I don't remember learning how to read. I just remember always knowing how to read. Fun fact, I was the... Did I tell you this before? That I was the valedictorian of my kindergarten graduation? Wow. Do you want to guess why? Because you could read and nobody else could. Correct. I was the only one who could read the speech. I actually still have the handwritten speech. My mom tucked it in this book of like school memories. I was like, holy shit. That's the... All right. That's And then I read through it. I was like, that's not bad for five. Nearly six. Okay. But I was like, how does that, how does that happen? How does one just teach themselves how to read? Even as a person who's done it, I don't get it because I don't remember it. It is one of my very first memories. Is it? Is how the words clicked on the page. I still remember it. Yeah. Cat in the hat. Yeah. The weirdest thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is for my kiddo, but she just went from not reading to reading and it was kind of magic i mean what it probably was was all the reading at bedtime and she would like the same stories over and over again and i think (laughs) you know if you're if you're paying attention and you can line all that up and so i would say she's more of a sight reader than a phonics reader but last week she woke up and said her tummy hurt and you know no fever nothing serious but neil and i talked about it we're like sure who gives a shit let her stay home like i don't know i kind of think school is garbage anyway at this point, like having had my right. kids home for all of last year and doing the online school thing and seeing it's like, oh, OK, everything they told us about school feels like a bit of a lie to prepare us for the workforce. <laughs> <laughs> so if, she, you know, I don't know, let her have a little hangout at home. But we said right. no video games, no YouTube. It's not a fun day. You need to rest if it's a sick day. And she had the best day she just laid in bed and read all day that just sounds amazing and she grabbed some of her sister's graphic novels they're by uh, an author named Raina Talgemeyer and I think she read the one Smile Sisters and then she read half of Drama which like nobody can see this but like it, they're almost an inch thick wow. which I know is graphic yeah. novels so not a lot of text on there but still and I checked in the reading level as 8 to 12 and I was like okay kid And she was so excited and so proud that she took all these books with her to school the next day, too. And then in the evening, she's sitting. I kind of I came upstairs and then I look to the right and I see she's sitting in a little folding chair that she has pointing towards her dresser, which it looks like it's almost supposed to be a desk for her. And then she turns to me and she's reading and she says, Mom, can you close the door? 
I'm reading. Like, it's very serious business. And, and my heart just burst. So I was like, okay. Is this anything you want, honey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want some money? Do you want money right now? Do you want more Barbies? Would that help you? Do you need toys? I don't know. Toys. Oh, no. Books. 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 How about books. more books? Yes. More books. So, more readers. I know. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. I don't know. That is cool. Any books that kid wants, I don't really care. We'll get them. Because a kid that actually wants to read is pretty cool. That is. Given in the, the day of video gaming, right. how popular it is. Right. Yeah. I say, of course. So, Chris, what have you been reading or watching lately? Okay, so on my Facebook feed, I don't get on Facebook very often. No. But I, I just don't. That's where I'm our mothers. Twitter person. Right. Our mothers hang out on Facebook. Not with each well, other. I, but <laughs> my mom doesn't even know how to turn on a computer. Oh, really? Come on. Okay. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, my mother does not do Facebook. My mom is. You should see her try to FaceTime me every day. I see the ceiling. I see everything. <laughs> it's time to dust the light, mom. You know, or she'll switch it around because she wants to show me something and then she'll forget to switch it. So I'm staring at her jeans or I'm staring at the dog <laughs> or the tablecloth until about like five minutes goes by. And I'm like, mom, can you please switch it? So she <laughs> and my dad's worse. My dad, who needs to have the best and the latest iPhone anything mm -hmm. and everything, mm -hmm. is horrible at it. He's worse at FaceTiming than my mom is. But he has to have the best. He has to have the best. Okay. I know. I don't understand it. But anyway, so on Facebook, on my feed, I, I kept seeing um, a, like a little trailer for the movie Same But Different. It's like a New Zealand love story and it's lesbian. I'm like, um, okay, I'll just go ahead and rent it. Hmm. Here's the thing. So you can rent it. They have a website. It's uh, SBD, so Same But Different, SBDMovie.com. And you can just watch it straight off the website hmm. instead of, you know, they're not streaming it anywhere that I'm aware of. Interesting. Yeah. And so, hey, maybe it works. I mean, you get yeah. you know, 10 bucks a pop and every lesbian on earth, you know, wants to rent it and see it. I mean, it's cute. It's a super cute story. It's about a, a Samoan filmmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Nikki. And there is a, I think her name is Rachel. Mm-hmm. And Rachel is quote unquote straight. And then she meets Nikki at a film thing and like everything is all a flutter and she's so confused. And so she finally ends up dating her. And so this is based on the real life story of a filmmaker and a producer slash actress. So cute. It was cute. Yeah, it was cute. And then I watched the movie with uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, The Lost City, mm -hmm. which I loved it. I mean, I, it was cute. I, I don't know that I would love it, but it was super cute because we all love Sandra Bullock. Yes. And she's a romance writer in this movie. So, of course, I'm going to love it. Oh, fun. Yeah, I had one of my uh, one of my coworkers told me that I should see it. She said it was hilarious and she really enjoyed it. I watched it Friday night and then my parents came over on Saturday. So I, I put it on for my dad mm -hmm. while we went and wa walked the dogs, strolled with the dogs. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, so I watched some of it, you know, we played Uno too, and I watched, I was leaning over and watching a couple of the scenes because they were pretty funny. Yeah. They were pretty funny scenes. Did your dad like it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he did, he liked it, but my dad's very, very monotone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, he, you know, he's very, uh, I don't even know what to say. It's not, he's not unemotional because he's extremely emotional, mm -hmm. but he was just like, yeah, it was fine. Like he doesn't get excited about like. Who knows? He gets excited about Korean soap operas. He's always trying to get me to watch them. What? Like, Dad, 
Yes, he is hooked on Korean soap operas. I'm like, dad, no. Oh my God, that's so funny because Neil's dad has been trying to get him to watch. (laughs) It's not Korean, it's Turkish. Oh. And it's this like 500 episode Turkish (laughs) show of some kind. I've probably gotten one or both parts of that statement wrong. Um, I know that when Neil gets to this part in editing, he's going to (laughs) say... close but not quite but it was something like that it's just this like super 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 long show which is one of those like dad you're retired <laughs> right you have time my to dad get o- into this right see my dad officially retired he uh yeah we were talking about it. he goes i'm officially retiring and so his his final day of work is june 30th wow so that that'll give him time to shut down the business and tell all of his clients that he is shutting it down so hmm. well maybe i'll find yeah, the name so, of that show for your dad because yeah exactly you might want to hand that over to me so i can put him in front of netflix <laughs> i think it is on netflix i love it uh, everything's on yeah. netflix and so the third thing here's the deal mm-hmm. so i'm watching the staircase with Tony Collette. Okay, so I stop I've, it. She's in everything. My phone key and Twitter keeps telling me things about it, but I still don't actually know what this movie is about. Is it a movie? Is okay. it a show? See, it's that's not. how little it's I know. It's a series. Yeah. Here's the thing that pisses me off because I'm so spoiled by streaming. Yeah. Is that it's weekly? It's like you know, oh, rude. The Walking Dead. It's weekly. No. Yeah. So it's a, a eight episode series mm-hmm. about a writer. His name is Peterson. Michael Peterson, I think. And uh, he's been accused of killing his wife. And so this is a a series that covers it. Mm -hmm. It's a true story. It's based on a true story, true events. And so Colin Firth is the dad. Mm -hmm. And he has X amount of older children. And she has a couple of children. And they're all older. They're all adult kids. Mm -hmm. And so they've only been married five years. And so every episode you find something out a little bit more. And you don't know which way to go. Yeah. Did he do it? Did he not do it? It's one of those. So I'm halfway through it. So I started watching that. And I'm laughing my ass off because Tony Collette. Because she's everywhere. Mm-hmm. She is everywhere. Just like Stanley Tucci. <laughs> right. <laughs> call back, call so, back. <laughs> to another episode. Um, I will say this, though. It's very graphic. It's very graphic. Like the violence? Like the quote unquote, the mur- murder slash death scene oh we're not quite sure if it's a murder or if she fell down the stairs that's what's called yeah. the staircase but they have like reenactments like not necessarily reenactments but like what could have happened yeah. like maybe this happened and you're like oh my god you can see that happening or you can see this way happening mm-hmm. too so it's just but it's very graphic and i'm just like oh my gosh i mean i can t- i watch the walking dead i can take a lot of shit mm-hmm. but that's pretty harsh so i just a trigger warning there that if you are thinking about watching it just know that it's very gory very bloody that's really good Lots to know blood. i yes. will pass oh will you okay i'm yeah. sure you're shocked it's i'm a big baby <laughs> i'm not you you know i i know but it's it's very good acting of course so i'm predicting now that tony collette's gonna cat gonna get some uh, awards for this one mm-hmm. so catch some awards i bet you for this she will yeah okay she, will. she just does a fantastic job anyway enough about me what about you what are you watching okay so I kind of went back and forth about whether to talk about this one because I feel like it's odd to talk about one specific episode in one podcast, but I just thought it was so interesting and that I think there are people who listen to this podcast that would be interested in it too. 
I know I've been talking about Jonathan Van Ness a lot lately, but I love him and I'm not going to apologize for that. So he has a podcast <laughs> called Getting Curious. It is wonderful. And some I like there's some that I've really enjoyed recently. Like there's one about labor organizing that was fabulous. There's one about trees that was really interesting. But this one in particular that I really specifically recommend for our listeners, it came out on April 26th. And it is with Jen Mannion, who talks about female husbands. Have you ever heard about these before? No. Okay. It's a female husband. So I'm going to explain this very badly, okay. but hopefully well <laughs> enough to intrigue you to go and listen to this one podcast episode. So female husbands are a concept that it's like a historical concept, especially from what I recall of this podcast episode, especially in the UK and in the US. And kind of around that like 18th, 19th century time where there were people who were born and assigned female at birth that for like some or most of their life were living as men, often married to women. And wow. I know it's so cool. And some of these people probably were trans men, although it's not always possible to say and some you know some might have lived that way as a sailor for a while um like lived as a man wow. as a sailor and then gotten married to a you know and then kind of almost like detransitioned if if they had even been been transitioning uh and then you know like we'll get married to a man and then live as a woman again but jen Mannion goes through i actually don't know this professor's pronouns i don't i so i'm going to try to avoid pronouns altogether because i'm not sure but talks about, you know, the cases of like specific couples. And there are some that just live together forever and fairly happily. And there are some where, say, when they split up, the the wife will out them so that, you know, and there there can be some like sometimes there can be some kind of serious yeah. consequences with getting arrested and all that. Really, really fascinating. And I highly recommend it's just it's such an interesting, fabulous episode full of anecdotes of historical figures. Of course, Anne Litster comes up. Oh, yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, right? Exactly. Gentleman Jack. But it was so good. So that's one. The other thing. So I've started watching. I'm not done yet, but I listened to you. Finally. <gasps> finally. I don't always finally. listen to you. Yay! Because sometimes I'm just stubborn. But this time I listened to you and I started watching Heartstopper. Yes! Oh, my God. Yes. It yes. is so cute. It is. It is so cute. For oh, anyone who didn't listen to the last episode, in the last episode, that was Chris's official recommendation. And it's just like sweet queer boys falling in love mm -hmm. in high school. One of them knows he's gay. The other one doesn't know that he's queer at first and sort of like figures it out. And it's just like so much is so good about that show. Mm -hmm. And I think you you covered a lot of that. So I won't get too much into the content. But I think what I want to point out that works for me really well is there's like little bits of animation throughout it to add to the whimsy. Yeah. So like little animated leaves blowing across the right. scene and like the <laughs> and the music is used so perfectly to evoke emotion and to it's just like it's it's just the sweetest it's the sweetest thing. And I love that the, um, so there's the, the, I don't remember any of their names. Uh, Charlie Nick. The, right. I kind of love that Nick is a big old himbo. Uh, like, yes. <laughs> I know. I love Right? I like love a Nick. big old, super popular rugby playing himbo. Yep. What could be better? 
I think that's adorable. And I love that the trans girl is played by a trans girl. Mm -hmm. I think that's really fantastic, too. So I would like to, I don't know if we can, like, retroactively make that a double recommendation. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) But I completely recommend it. The only thing that surprised me that I don't feel like many people are talking about is so you talked about how in the in the first episode he's kind of um he's kind of seeing Charlie's kind of seeing someone mm-hmm. and it's this kid who doesn't want to be seen with him he's afraid to come out you know he has a girlfriend kind of in public and whatever but after Charlie says I don't want to see you anymore this other kid's named Ben says like come and meet me and he like forces a kiss onto Charlie mm-hmm. and I was really surprised that that's really I'm not really seeing much conversation about that because that is assault right right but i love that well yeah right nick comes in and is like right he's a hero how sweet i know i want nick as my child amazing about i want him as my child he would make me so proud i could kind of see like i don't know like your coloring is a little similar yeah i I could be nick your hair could be a little redder and (laughs) then you could look like his mom i could (laughs) yay I have a son. So, right? <laughs> Hooray! Everybody's going to be so surprised. Right. <laughs> Especially your parents. But Wait, queer what? son. Yes. How? Now? What? How? What? <laughs> now? <Surprise>. Okay. <sighs> and then the third thing that I saw, not queer, but really, really, really excellent, was a documentary. Mm-hmm. And it's called Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. <laughs> and it goes back to the origins of Sesame Street. How did it come about? What was the point of it all? How did they get funding for it? Who were the people that worked on it in the early years? And so it showed and stuff that I just had no, I didn't have any idea about any of it. But then it would like, it would pop in these little bits and clips from the show. And it was often things that I know I saw when I was a kid. Like they were pulling clips from the 70s and then the early 80s. And so I would have been watching it geez when was i born when would i have been actually paying attention to a tv maybe 82 yeah because i started school in i would have started school in 84 so probably yeah like between 82 and 84 but it all started because there was oh geez i'm getting some of it wrong but basically it was this idea of we want to bring education into the inner city to help kids especially from low-income families black families brown families, kids who may not have quite the same advantages to help them have a better start at school. Nice. I did not know that. Right. And I'm watching it and I was just, the whole time I was like, oh my god. Is this white lady a gigantic racist? Oh. Like, am I going to find a... And so I actually looked up her name. I can't remember what it is, but I looked up her name and I just looked up like her name plus racism and I found nothing! Yes! Woohoo! What a relief. (laughs) But, like, Jim Henson, did you know that before he was, like, where the Muppets actually started was, like, short sketches that were basically commercials? Oh. It was, like, the 1950s. Like, if you think about some of, like, think back to some of those 1950s shows. And so it might be for, like, cigarettes or whatever. (laughs) And some of them were kind of grotesque. Wow. Like, they were super dark. (laughs) So he didn't start in this children's realm at all. It was very much, like, for an adult audience. And then he happened to get recruited to work on Sesame Street. Wow. 
And yeah, it's so good. And I didn't know the original Gordon. Did you watch Sesame Street or were you? No, I wasn't here. Yeah, I I missed all of that. I missed Sesame Street, Electric Company. I missed all of that. Yeah. I went when I was watching it, there was a character named Gordon. But what I didn't realize was that there was a different person playing Gordon before that. And he is Holly Robinson Pete's father. Oh, wow. Which I thought was kind of cool. So they come on together. She comes on with him for those to talk about his time on the show. Which I thought was kind of cool. I love seeing, like, a lot of musicians uh, went on Sesame Street. Oh, yes. So I love seeing the old clips. And I remember one time they showed Natalie Merchant. You know, she's like my all-time babe. And they showed Natalie Merchant on Sesame Street. And I just, I love yeah. like the old, even like Morgan Freeman, you know? Oh, yeah. There's just so many actors and actresses and singers that that have, you know, made guest appearances on Sesame Street. So it's always fun to see that. They have some of those, but it's more oh. like, because it was back then, it was more like Stevie Wonder and who's uh, the yeah. jazz, who was the jazz trumpet guy that could blow his cheeks out really far? Louis Armstrong? I don't, I don't think it was him. I think it might have been Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, yeah, Dizzy. Yes. Um, they had some. Not like, long ago? I mean, let's, I got to look. Now I'm like Googling this. Well, one. I mean, it was out in the 70s, and they had a clip that was so moving where it was a quite young Jesse Jackson leading a group of children in affirmations. Like, I am young. But I am strong and I am important. And I was like, oh man, you're making me feel feelings right now. <laughs> I feel about that. But that's so sweet. I mean, that's so. It was so good. So, yes. You know what? If it was queer, it would be an official recommendation, but it's not. So, this is an unofficial total recommendation. Where did you watch though. it? Where? Like Netflix? So, or- I am in Canada. So, I watched it on a service called Crave. Okay. And I am going to talk more slowly so that oh, I, so can I can Google bring it, it on that. Oh. <laughs> no, so I can bring it up on here because so the thing about Crave, it's actually kind of cool. We are quite lucky in Canada that we get uh, so it's this one streaming service that has like HBO, HBO Max, Stars, and Showtime. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of hmm. But I'm not seeing the HBO stamp on it, so I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. But if you're in Canada, you can get it on Crave. It says watch it on HBO, Max, Spectrum, TV, Prime Video, Apple TV, Redbox. There you go. Voodoo or Voodoo Movie. Yeah, so you can find it. You can find That's it. That's cool. I'm going to have to look at Yeah, I'm going to totally watch it because, you know, animal. Mana, mana. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. All right, Chris. What is your official recommendation this week? Okay, since I've been recommending a lot of fluffy, feel-good, heartfelt shows, movies, Mm -hmm. so because I watched The Staircase, or I've been watching The Staircase, Mm -hmm. fuck you, Lynn, from work for telling me about it to watch it, (laughs) I am recommending a movie from 2003. Uh The movie is Monster. Monster with uh, Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. And so here's the blurb. Okay. Monster is a 2003 American biographical crime drama film written and directed by Patty Jenkins Mm. in her feature directorial debut. The film is about serial killer Eileen Wuornos. Wuornos? Wuornos? I think it's Wuornos, but I'm not totally sure. Wuornos. I think so, too. 
uh, a street prostitute who murdered seven of her male clients between 1989 and 1990 and was executed in Florida in 2002. So it stars Charlize Theron, who also produced as Wuornos, and Christina Ricci as her semi-fictionalized lover, Selby Wall. So, and it was based, she is based on Wuornos' real-life girlfriend, Tyria Moore? Tyria? Mm. Tyria Moore? Okay. So I've seen this movie like five times. Whoa. Like, I saw, yeah, I, yeah. And Charlize never disappoints. Like, she's, she's won all... Like, Best Actress Awards for everything. She got the Oscar. She got the Golden Globe. The Screen Actors Guild. Glad Media Awards. So, even though the story is... is it's a it's a horrible story. Mm-hmm. I mean, serial killer. But the acting is amazing. Like, amazing. I can't... Like, every time I see it, she never disappoints. Truly. She does such a good job of looking and acting the part that you would have never guessed that she is Charlize Theron. Never. In a million years. So I've never seen this movie because mm-hmm. I assumed it would be gross, but I never thought to check. Is it? Is it graphic? Um, not really. No, it really isn't. Like, sh- like the okay. So the very first time she kills somebody, mm-hmm. it she goes to do um turn a trick. She goes in this the woods with this guy. They're driving in the car, and you know she's like, "That's kind of far." Let's not go this far. And it's like, oh, you know, privacy, blah, blah, blah. And he, like, beats the living shit out of her. Oh, yeah. He, like, has her tied up. I mean, he is he is going to kill her. Yeah. I mean, he's doing horrible things. And so she gets loose. She somehow gets loose. And the same time he figures out that she's got, that she's loose, that she get out of her restraints, she finds a gun and just, just automatically shoots him. Yeah. Like, just to say, a total self-defense. You can tell that the first time she killed somebody... It was in self-defense because mm-hmm. she was going to die mm-hmm. for sure. So then I think when she realizes she got away with it, then it became more of not self-defense, but I'm going to kill people who made me feel bad, who used me for the wrong reasons. So, but let's go back a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the queerness in this movie. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, you see her... So Eileen goes into a gay bar and she doesn't realize it's a gay bar. It's like pouring down rain. She just runs into a bar to get out of the rain. And so Christina Ricci, and if for you people who don't know, she was in Yellow Jackets. Like she's been around forever. She was a childhood oh yeah. Child actor and stuff like she's been around forever. So she's like really shy and socially awkward and she just you, she wants to be a part of the queer community and like nobody talks to her at the bar. So she sees Eileen and she goes in there, or maybe it's pronounced Aileen. It's A I L E E N. And honestly, I can't remember if Eileen or Aileen or how it's pronounced. Aileen. Sure. We'll go with Aileen. Yeah. Sure. So, anyway, so she's like, let me buy you a beer, you know? And so Aileen's like, I'm not a dyke. Get your hands off me, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Christina reaches like, hey, I'm just, I just want to talk. I need somebody to talk to. Nobody's talking to me. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, she's kind of like, she just has like a defeated kind of personality because everybody's against her. Like her dad, she's living with her aunt because her dad knows that she's gay and mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, trying to go someplace to sort it out and not be gay anymore. So, so she talks to Aileen and she's like, Hey, why don't you come back to my place? I think she figures it out. Like she's really homeless. She doesn't have anywhere to go. She's like, come back to my place. Be platonic, just, you know, you can have a rest, a bed, and that's it. And so when they're in bed together, totally clothed, 
Selby is Christina Ricci's character. Mm-hmm. Selby says, hey, can I touch your face? Do you mind if I touch you? And so for like, you can just see it, like the emotions across her face. It's like she's never been touched in a way that is out of love. Mm-hmm. It's only she's only ever been used. And so she realizes that this person really cares for her. So then it becomes, I will do anything for this woman who has shown me nothing but love because she's never had it before. Mm-hmm. So then, so it's kind of a, not really a catch-22, but she needs money to provide a place for her and her girlfriend to live. And so she, she turns tricks mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to be a prostitute anymore, but she can't get another job because nobody's going to give her an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, so she ends up continuing to, to prostitute herself. And she just, she's so angry at these men who stop and, and want whatever they want from her. Mm-hmm. So she ends up like killing them. And so she kills. And I think the thing that really did her in was she killed a cop. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. So she does it. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think. Let's see. So she is actually considered the first woman profiled by the FBI as a serial killer. Yeah, that makes sense because most serial killers are men, aren't they? And especially, oh, for sure. and especially white men for the most part. Right. And so, but this is the first time they actually had a profile. Because, oh. like, there have been serial killers, women before. Because if you, because I went down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, is this the first one ever? And yeah. so somebody in 1793 killed a bunch of people, but, you know, that you can't Just really, the there's no profile. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was uh, it was interesting, and I think that people should watch this because true crime is so hot right now. And this movie that even though it's almost twenty years old, you know you'll recognize the actresses, and the acting is superb. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lesbian relationship, yes, and it doesn't end well, but um, you see how love can really empower a person. I mean, just just a little bit, and not empower in a bad way. I just meant it finally gave her purpose. Not to kill, but just like she realizes she's worth something and that somebody actually does care for her. Mm-hmm. So she just had no other way to to take care of of this of Selby. And so Selby did not get any jail time mm-hmm. because Eileen, she took it all herself. She said, it's all me because it was all her. I mean, Selby had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So there was a recording and the cops caught her saying, you know, this is all me. You had nothing to do with it. And so then. Yeah. And. That person, that girlfriend, is still alive. Well, and just thinking about what you said about how the ending isn't positive. But am I right in thinking, again, I haven't seen it, but am I right in thinking it's still different? Like, it's not, it's not a barrier gaze story or it's not a, right. it's not a queer pain story for the sake of selling right. queer no. pain. <laughs> right. No. And telling someone's life story. Like, I feel like, right. I feel like there's a big difference between like, okay, this was a real person and like shitty things happen to them versus we're going to invent this situation to reinforce the idea that queer people don't deserve happy endings which is like all right they don't deserve to live yeah exactly right (laughs) yeah no she um like she really did have a rough life oh my gosh if you heard about it i mean she was it was tragic yeah it was just it was awful it was just awful it was a it's tough i mean there's so many trigger warnings in this but the, like I said, the acting is so superb in this, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's into true crime now and it's everywhere. It's on like, like the staircase. I'm watching that, you know, and I watch 2020 and Dateline. I'm always watching something where somebody dies, you know. 
See, and then there's and me. And then they shit. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Nothing you but that you don't drag race and Queer Eye and Well, no, that's or... good because we need both. We need both. Yeah. So what is your official recommendation for this week? All right. So it's been a while since I've recommended a video game, but I have one and holy shit, it is so, so good. I powered through the whole thing in two days. It probably took me, I'm trying to think how many hours it took me. It probably took about 10 hours. So I played it over the weekend. Uh, It is called Citizen Sleeper. From what I can tell, I haven't dug too deeply, but I think it's available on most or all platforms. I played it on my Nintendo Neil played it on, uh, it's on Xbox Game Pass. So if you have a Game Pass subscription, you don't have to pay extra for it. So the witch tells me it's probably in the PlayStation Store and it's definitely in the Steam Store. It is an RPG from an indie publisher and it's a cyberpunk world. And, you know, we were, Neil and I were talking about it. It is kind of nice uh, when you play a, when you play and enjoy a game that your partner has also played and enjoyed. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, someone to talk to you about this. <laughs> and actually, he's the one. He recommended I play it. And then he also recommended it to one of my best friends who he actually got to it before I did. And he, so I was like, hey, I, I heard Neil recommended Citizen Sleeper. He's like, yeah, I played the whole thing. It was amazing. <laughs> like, he just blew through it super quickly. So that's three people recommending wow. this game. It's like a blend of, I don't know if you know, the well, yeah, you would have heard when, when we did the drunk lesfic episode of on your Patreon with Tegan Shepard, and remember how Tegan was, well, I mean, she was Mass Effect, yeah. super fucking drunk, um, but like when we went off on our tangent about Mass Effect, so it's like a blend. I'm like, I'm just going to get another drink. Yeah, I gotta go. Oh, you guys are still talking about this, but I oh, just Effect, went to the store yes. and came back. Yeah, so it's like a blend of if you take Mass Effect, but Blade Runner and put them okay. together. Because Blade Runner is also like quite dark and has some similar themes. So the idea is that you are playing as what's called a sleeper. You are an android that has been loaded with a human consciousness. Because the idea is that there is this mega corporation out in the galaxy called Essen Arp. And... People who need money will just like get paid to give them their consciousness. And so there's like another, it, like the human kind of keeps going on with their life. They have this money now, but the consciousness gets loaded into these sleepers who then have to go and do work for S and ARP. So it's effectively like Android slaves. They're a bad company. They do not hold up well <laughs> in this game. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes them. They're the assholes. And so... The sleeper that you're playing is on the run, wakes up kind of in this, like, what? Like, you wake up in a container on this worn-out space station that's out on the, just that those outer edges of civilization. And you have to stay alive. And how do you do this? Especially knowing that SNARP is going to send someone to try and collect you and bring you back and go back and do more work. The reason I liked this so much is that, you know, for a quick game, because I do think that like a 10 hour game is pretty is pretty quick in video right. games, because you can have other games like, I don't know, like Witcher 3 or oh, what's that other one? Like I've played games where I've put more than 100 hours, even Stardew Valley, I've put more than 100 hours into. Wow. It goes through some really sophisticated themes and asks questions like, you know, what does it mean to be human? Like, sure, you're playing an android, 
but you have human memories and you go through human experiences and you have to go and work at jobs and you have to eat food, not because you need the nutrients, like the vitamins and minerals kind of get bypassed, but the food gets converted into energy, which, you know, as a sleeper, you need that energy to keep going. And also though, you have to find not only that, but like SNR has created these sleepers so that they decay without this particular it's almost like a medication Uh it's a stabilizer that's not unlike people who have to take medication for various things right like you have to do that or your heart is going to go out or your liver might go out or whatever and at the same time you know like i was saying about snr we see the exploitation not only of these sleepers but also even on this space station you come across humans who are being exploited by the local company. And there is a lot of poverty and there is corruption. There's strong themes of found family as well. You can choose to, there's three possible endings that you, or there's three uh, scenarios where you can go through and it can make decisions for you about how you end the game. You can literally go off with a dad and his daughter you can choose to join, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound completely bonkers, but it's almost like there's this consciousness underlying this space station and you can choose to merge in with this consciousness or you can choose to go with someone who kind of like showed themselves earlier in the game to be kind of sketchy and not trustworthy, but you can make your peace with that person and somebody else that you've been doing work with and maybe you'll be a little found family with those dudes. So do you get to pick your sex? I mean, I like So here's the thing. You don't, but it's also not relevant. And there are non-binary characters throughout the game. And that's, for me, where, like, it really... Seeing a game with so much non-binary representation was one of the big... Like, that for me was when I was like, "I I have to recommend this. Absolutely, I have to. There's a doctor on the station named Sabine who is referred to only ever with they, them pronouns and ends up with this woman who is kind of an enemy at first until they realize that actually they have a common enemy and that that's why this person has set them up in opposition. But with there being so much non-binary representation, it feels almost like it's interrogating gender without talking about gender. Okay. I don't know if that actually makes sense. Like, this is not... This is not a world that reflects a lot of what we see in our world. It's not like this very strict, you know, heteronormative, patriarchal. It's much more like the corporation against the individual is what this world is about. And how do you survive in that? And then, like, actually, it is. I was a little surprised. I don't think I saw, like, there was no sex work that I saw in this game. Which would have been super easy to do and like to do in the in a real sex negative way, which would have been frustrating and not cool. Right. But instead, it's the other thing that's really important about this is that this is a game with a dice system. So every day you wake up and if your condition is good, because remember how I said that they have to take almost like right. a, that stabilizer, the more their condition breaks down, the fewer dice they have to work with. And you can have up to five dice. And those five dice are basically five things you can do that day. So what are you going to do with your five actions that day? Are you going to make money? Are you going to help out a friend? 
Are you going to work at a job that will feed you? Or will you work at a job that will maybe give you money? Like it's, I found it really, really interesting because it enforced a scarcity. Sometimes that scarcity was time and sometimes it was resources. And there were days where I had to really make a decision. And it's like, you know, I'd really love to help this person. But if I don't go do this other thing, my character will starve. Sorry. Don't you think Sorry. we've had enough of that the last two years? Just saying. Oh, I know. I know. Well, and I did find like there were times that I had to make choices. Well, I suppose I didn't have to, but I made choices for my character <laughs> that didn't actually line up with my values, but they were actually uh-huh. just about making sure that the sleeper survived. And so that even included going out. Well, it would have shut down an entire storyline if I, which is fine. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can choose not to engage with things and just not follow that storyline. But there was this. So when I was talking about the um, the doctor and the, like the two that were enemies who actually ended up becoming lovers, the one that's not a doctor, the other one is with like a local gang. Basically, it's like a local, like not at the very top of the gang, but I would say kind of like middle management. Do gangs have middle management? I don't know. <laughs> Yes, they're called captains. Oh, all right. Yeah, so kind of like that. And you have to gain that person's trust. And so she's like, okay, well, these are the kinds of jobs you can do. And I would patrol the neighborhood. Now, am I okay with that idea? We're going to just go like patrol the neighborhood and shake down some people? Right. No, but (laughs) gave me energy. But to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I get it because then you can be somebody else on games. That's that's kind of the fun, the whole thing about Yeah playing video games is you can be whoever you want it's true although for the most part when i play games i do try to do things that align with my personal values as much as possible yeah because even knowing that something is a game like i'm probably not going to pick up a game if it gets a lot of press for having this like pretty problematic content whether it is you know misogyny or racism or homophobia or whatever like i'm not gonna play grand theft auto is it just a game yeah like is it just a game yes do i want to go around murdering sex workers no 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 yeah highly recommend citizen sleeper it's so playable the music is super good the art is fantastic it all just made this really satisfying package and i think people should go and get it Oh, and it's not very expensive. Sorry, that's the other thing. <laughs> it's it's like under it's affordable. Yeah, it's affordable. It's like under twenty bucks. Um, and definitely, I think well worth the time worth and the dollars. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure that you subscribe so that you'll get notified whenever we release a new episode. If you have a friend you think would like the show, please tell them all about it. We're trying to reach more people who need queer media recommendations all the time. And if you'd like to support the show, we have a link to our Kofi in the notes, or you can visit Kofi.com slash queerly recommended. It's not necessary, always appreciated, and it's there if you are interested. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.